and welcome to what we're calling the Friday Five, where the Strive team hits up Cora to find five interesting marketing questions uh, that we'll answer as a team. Um, I'm Kyle, and I'm here with Sarah, Lou, Kaylee, hey, and Lisa. Hi. And uh, this is the first time we're doing this, so this is probably going to be terrible, but... That's okay. Yeah, let's just jump in. I'm excited for everyone to then listen to this and then go upvote our answers on Quora so I'm, that we become internet famous. I'm genuinely interested to see what everyone's going to say to these questions because they're not easy or like obvious answered questions. I'm in- interested to see if uh, clients lose faith in us after they hear us <laughs> answer these questions <laughs> with terrible answers. I mean, there are no right answers to these questions. That's why they're hot on Quora. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, let's just jump into it. So the first question we have is, how can I generate website traffic with a $0 marketing budget? My first question is, why does your company have a $0 marketing budget? (laughs) Um, If that's the case, it's not important priority for budget, so why is website traffic important? So I would actually be digging at a higher problem, but there are ways you could still do it. Like uh, maybe a startup is someone that's in this situation for okay reason. And I would say the first thing that only costs time is blogging. Damn it, that was my answer. That's the, the easiest answer. Ha <laughs> 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 ha, I stole it. Really, it's like what we say to all of our clients is like create content. Yep. But no one ever has time for content. Uh, so that's a problem. I guess that's where like a, margin, a marketing budget really can come in. Like when you don't have time to write content that helps with SEO, that drives traffic, that helps people find your website, the best thing you can do is just, I guess, plug that hole with money. Yeah, throw money at someone else spend. to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So outside of content, is there anything else? Website traffic, uh, social media or like organic social media, the reach isn't what it used to be, but that is technically free and you can, you, you kind of want content to go with it, I suppose, but, uh, you don't have to have a budget to run social media and get people to your website through that. I guess like a, a higher level of that answer would just be SEO. Like content influences SEO. Mm-hmm. Um, and social is a free distribution option. Yeah. That's separate from that. But social wouldn't be part of SEO. Right. But, but it like, still results in web traffic. Yeah, yeah, for, totally. For zero dollars. The really though, like the answer is there's no way to get website traffic that's not either costing time or money. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean you can go around and shake a bunch of hands and tell them go to www.strivemarketing.com. That didn't cost you money, but that cost you time. Yeah. There's another one. Oh, I have a funny example. Um, So, like, I went to school for illustration, and um, one of my friends would go to, like, Best Buy or Apple, and they would, like, go to all the devices and put their website um, on the devices so that other people would randomly, like, pick up the device and it would be at their website. Obviously, it's not a very effective solution, but that's what one of my friends did. That's like the, okay, I was thinking about that too, because I was like, oh, just like put stickers of your website all over places, but then I'm like, you have to pay for the stickers. Yeah. So that's like the free version. (laughs) That's awesome. Okay, so that's actually a good segue into the next question. How do I get more followers on Instagram? Now, I have, like, no followers on Instagram, so I should not answer this question. I think my cat has the most followers out of anyone in this room. (laughs) Probably. Be a cat. Be a cat, step one. So, 
Um, I'm in this like Facebook group for people that do artist alleys. So yeah, basically they're like freelance illustrators and they go to like Comic-Con, stuff like that, and sell their merchandise. And uh, I watched this one girl go from like zero followers to like 15,000. And at first I was like, man, she's posting her, like her product a lot and like people are going to get annoyed and she's not going to get followers. But she just kept like new photography, like even though it was the same product, she just changed up the photography or she would be like, oh, I made this koala bear pin and so did these other people. So she'd like buy their product, put it all in a photo and link out to them. And like she's, she made this like chain of other makers that... Um, did the same stuff. So, yeah, I so, forget what the original question was. How do you oh, followers on Instagram? No, so, you're 100 percent right. Cross promotion. Yeah, it's like the follow for follow idea mm-hmm. on steroids, basically, or the post for post, share for share, tag for tag. And so that strategy, uh, follow for follow, they're like follow uh, trains on Instagram. I know this from trying to build an organic audience for my book. Shout out. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and that's a way that you can like increase your numbers. You can also buy followers. Yeah. Um, but by doing any of those things, Instagram has, um, kind of cracked down on that. And I got locked out of my account for like a week. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if you're a business, um, that like depends on something like social media to get your message out there. Uh, you can't afford being off the platform for a week at a time. I always felt like that was a like dumb way to get popular because you have all these people that literally don't give a single fuck about what you're putting out there. But I guess in a way it helps because you get visibility. So you will get seen by people that do authentically like your stuff. It's kind of like social proof. Like if you yes. have enough followers, yes. people are like, oh, okay. Like yeah. they're, they're for real. They're legit. Yeah. They must be popular for a reason. She must have really good scene hair. Like oh, we'll follow her. Yeah. If you go to an account, there's only like, a hundred followers, you kind of think, of what, yeah. what am I doing here? Mm-hmm. But if you go to an account there's a thousand followers, you think like, oh, maybe I'm late to this. Yep. Your numbers validate um, your content. Yeah, this must be worth following because a bunch of other people are already doing it. Yeah. That reminds me of um, this thing, I don't know if it was on Reddit or something, where they had like a super amazing professional like violinist play in the subway. And, like, no one really paid that much attention or whatever. And then you see her, like, in an orchestra playing and, like, all like all the chairs are full of people that are, like, paying to see her. So, like, they didn't value her when she was just in a subway playing, even though the skill set is exactly the same. Kind of reminds me of that. Definitely. Super interesting. Context is everything. Yeah. Yeah. The best number one answer is the authentic yeah. trades, comments, relationships, things like that. So the next question is, how do I start a career in digital marketing? That's a good one. Yeah, because actually I think it's really good for the four of us because we all are here for very different reasons. And from very different places. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can get started. I, uh, as someone who doesn't have a background in business um, or marketing really in terms of my education, I think the best way to start a career in digital marketing is to just market something. Like come up with something, market it yourself, um, see what you learn, uh, do courses online. Uh, and worst case scenario, you don't get a job in digital marketing. But if nothing else, I think you do learn kind of the ropes. You don't need access to like big PPC campaigns or 
um, like Fortune 500 companies or something like that to kind of like cut your teeth. I agree. I think you learn a lot from forcing yourself to like jump into something. So I think my advice for almost any young person in almost any profession is to find something you're passionate about and just try pushing it to the next level always. So if you're really into playing video games, like that's your thing. Um, learn how to start a very basic stream and then learn how to promote your stream. And then what's the platform from there? You know, just keep growing something because that's all marketing is, is growing something. And it's an idea, a product. It can be yourself even. So, um, yeah, start with something you're passionate about and show how you made it bigger and better. Mm. I mean, I can speak from personal experience that you don't even need experience to yeah. start a career. Um, like, this job basically fell into my lap, and I think if you just have the drive and, you know, the dedication to learn all these new skills and, like, keep learning all the time... I, the job didn't fall into your lap. Like, yeah, you learned it, girl. Like, watch no, it. That actually is interesting. So I think a lot of people come. So, like, backstory for you. Mm-hmm. Backstory: I was working at Strive part time as, you know, an office assistant, and I guess they saw something in me and took a chance on me. And I uh, have a business degree, but I didn't even specialize in marketing, and ended up here. Yeah, I, I think that's like kind of a great story for just taking advantage of like opportunities or like being in the right place at the right time like I think a lot of people come out of school and they look for like a direct one-to-one sort of comparison between like their degree and what's out there in the market um I kind of did the same thing like when I got into marketing I took like the lowest level marketing job I could find Mm -hmm. um and then just worked my way up from there Mm -hmm. but even even with the business degree and like taking marketing classes Everything I learned, I learned here, not at school. So you don't even need all those skills. You just mm-hmm. need the drive. Yeah, it can help a little bit of yeah, context. Because I'm, I'm the most boring traditional story. Went to school for marketing. Mm-hmm. Did marketing right out of school. Boom. But I, I agree. Like, mm-hmm. it didn't go one-to-one for anything I was doing. But, like, it's the classic university kind of teaches you ways of thinking that help, but mm-hmm. it's not direct like that. I think a barrier for a lot of like young people at a school being like, oh, well, I can't apply for this. I don't have these skills. Mm-hmm. Go for it anyways. Yeah. yeah. I see this question on Reddit like all the time in the marketing subreddit about like people that went to school for marketing and they just can't find a job. And I just want to say I really feel for those people because it is getting so insanely hard to find jobs like this there's so much competition and like i see people that are so skilled and they're they're struggling to find a job so just want to put that out there that i I feel for those people it is a a tough like it's tough to get started Mm -hmm. all the more reason why like i think our answers apply like you have to take advantage of opportunities when you find them um even if at first they don't seem all that related Mm -hmm. um as i said in the beginning like if you can't find something make something um, and like create that experience for yourself. So the next question we have is, what is better, SEO or PPC? Better for what? Doesn't say. <laughs> <laughs> Leaving me hanging, Cora. Is there Did, any more uh, context? No, no. It says, what is better, SEO or PPC? Yeah. Okay. I'll take this question at face value. Um, it depends on your situation, but 
if you're like a new startup, um, it's going to be easier to pay money to get website visitors. I'm assuming that's what they're looking for, how to get more web traffic. Um, but SEO is something that you should constantly be working on through creating content. So if you're looking for instant results, um, throwing money at the situation via PPC is going to yield much quicker results. Yeah, I think like right out the gate, if you're a brand new company, PPC is definitely uh, more valuable because um, no one knows who you are yet. Mm-hmm. If you can just like get in front of people, even if you have to pay to do that, building that like brand familiarity, I think goes a long way for when your SEO is something of note. I have a hard time separating the word SEO, or I guess it's acronym, the acronym SEO from the idea of content, but they aren't one and the same. Um, because I, I would maybe disagree with you guys if I was thinking purely about content. Um, but SEO is a lot more than just content. Like, yeah, that's one of the biggest pieces, but it's also optimizing a lot of the way your website is developed and the way you word things on your website. And like, there's a lot of other pieces to SEO beyond content. So that being said, like, I almost take this question as if you could only do one for the entire life of your Mm. company... I would rather do SEO. Yeah, I, I would agree. Long-term SEO, partially because like you don't have to spend as much money as you would with PPC, of course. And you have to look at SEO on a long-term time horizon, anyways. Like it, which goes back to what you guys were saying is you know if you want like quick win, little bump, throw money at it. You know, target exactly who you want, and you get them to your website. But um, if you want to win the long game, you got to do content, which leads into SEO, I think. And I think we've mentioned this before, but it definitely seems like PPC is getting less and less effective just with like ad blockers and just, just so saturated. People are so sick of it. So, um, in that sense, I would totally agree with you. Like if I could only do one or the other, like SEO is the way to go. So the last question, after we all take drinks of water and drinks that aren't water, Sarah. <laughs> Milk. <laughs> what are some interesting psychological marketing tactics? I've got one right off Psych- the bat. Perfect. Fear. <laughs> fear is a good tactic. Um, instilling fear in your audience that something <laughs> bad will happen if they don't have your product. Um, whether that be they'll miss out on an opportunity, um, they will lose money, uh, they will spend money on something that doesn't perform uh, as optimally as it could had they purchased your product. Um, I think just painting sort of like a nightmare dystopian future <laughs> for people uh, goes a long way. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. I, I hate needles, but I get the flu shot every year because I don't want to get the flu. So you're more afraid of the flu than the needle. Exactly. That's the point. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the point. Oh god. <laughs> what are some of those tactics like with pricing where you make one nine ninety nine instead of ten? Yeah. Yeah, like there's a bunch yeah. of things like that. Oh, there is a really famous cool story about jam that we were told in um Muni, which was that um actually providing too many choices yeah. caused sales of jam to go down. Like there were too many flavors and brands of jam. Mm-hmm. So they reduced the number and sales of jam went up because people are crippled by the idea of like making the wrong choice. So they'll often just choose not to make a choice at all. 
the, so there's a really obvious one, the whole creating a sense of urgency. So like, oh, there's only two positions left uh, for this webinar. Mm-hmm. Are only two of these left in stock? Hurry up before it's sold out. That I think everyone knows those ones. That now. relates a lot to the one I had in the chamber. That also relates to fear. Just like yes. the f- yeah. FOMO, really. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say the belongingness version of that is like exclusivity um, so as opposed yeah. to scarcity. Like they're kind of similar, but yeah. the idea of being part of like this prestigious thing that not everyone can be a part of, that is very motivating and you see it a lot in premium brand mm-hmm. marketing. Everyone knows the Betty Crocker instant cake story, which is that it was way too easy to make, so housewives and days old would uh, not feel like proud of the cake that they made and so they didn't ever want to buy it because they're like, oh, it, it came out of a box, basically. Mm-hmm. So they actually added more steps to the cake mix process so that the housewives had to do okay no house husbands also probably make cakes too um so that so that people i don't want to assume um (laughs) wait did people stop making cakes since the 50s this still applies today yeah, well, then it has to definitely include house husbands today. Okay. But this this did happen a while back. And so they added another step to the process so that people actually had to do more work to make the cake, and the sales went way up because um, I think what that gets at is like a sense of ownership over something. Another good one, and this is one that I experienced as a customer, is, I guess, sort of the sunk cost fallacy. Yeah. Um, so story... I was given a weed whacker for Christmas. <laughs> That's um, a pretty legit Christmas gift. Yeah, new homeowner, spring on the way, need a weed whacker. Um, but it was from the company Ryobi. Yeah. I hope I'm saying that right. Yeah. Um, this weed whacker, it's, uh, it's battery powered. It didn't come with a battery. So I go to Home Depot and the batteries cost like $200 a piece, but you need to buy the Ryobi battery. Yeah. So they sell these weed whackers and other things like drills and stuff like that for like dirt cheap. But then you have to drop serious cash on the battery. But then not only that, the batteries are interchangeable between the drill and the weed whacker. So it forces you to kind of go into buying the whole like ecosystem. catalog. Or yeah, the yeah. ecosystem of Ryobi products. And so I was at Home Depot. I'm looking at this battery thinking like this was a gift. <laughs> now this gift is costing me 200 bucks. But... I'm already in, like, I've already got the weed whacker, like, I guess I gotta get the battery now, and then, not only that, but the battery costs 200 bucks, they had a bundle where you could buy a drill <laughs> with a battery Here for 250 bucks, I was like, well, shit, then I'm kind of getting a drill for 50 bucks, that's really good, because the Ryobi drill by itself is like $175, so you're a Ryobi man now. That's what you're trying to tell us. I already had a drill. <laughs> oh, that was going to be my next question. Because, yeah. like, drills are good to have, but, like, if you already had one, what the hell, man? I, honestly, I thought maybe I could sell this. <laughs> Which, uh, marketing? Did you? <laughs> no, I didn't. I have, two, I have two you drills You have two now. drills now. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I even said to the guy at Home Depot, I was like, damn, like, I'm in for, like, 200 bucks now because I got this gift. But I respect it. <laughs> I get it. Like, good. That's a great move. And I guess that's not really psychological. Well, I guess it's sort of psychological, but it's more so, like, you've already spent this much money. What's another 
50 bucks. That's how BOGO works, right? Oh, yeah. It's the same idea. Like, you only wanted one, but, oh, if the next one is cheaper, okay. Yeah. (laughs) Very similar process used in video games is what I was thinking to your Ryobi example, is the idea of getting someone into an ecosystem. Mm-hmm. Because um, I, I guess this isn't psychological, but it's an interesting story, is that uh, the consoles are almost always sold at a loss leader because once you have them, so they lose money on it, but they know you have that system, you're going to buy all the accessories, you're going to buy all the games for that system, you're going to tell your friends... I need to play with you on this system, so they have to have it to play with you. Um, it's that whole idea of getting someone in the front door. You're willing to do almost anything. And it's that cost of acquisition versus the lifetime uh, value of a customer, right? And so not necessarily consumer psychology, but actually more so on the business side of how things are priced and done. is because you're worth more to them when you're in the ecosystem, spending a ton of money over your homeowner life with mm-hmm. all of your different tools. I Again, I forget what it's called, but basically it operates on the premise that uh, as people were wired to not want to be indebted to other people, so if someone does a favor for you or gives you a gift, you are going to have a natural response to want to pay them back so that you're even. Yeah. So that's why company, that's why free samples work. So like whenever you get like a free download, um, or like a free trial for well, free trials operate on totally different strategies. But uh, whenever you get something free, it's not out of the kindness of a business's heart. Mm-hmm. Um, it's about kind of ins- uh, flipping the switch on this like program that we all have within us to to want to give back to someone who's given to us. Yeah, there really is no such thing as a free lunch ever. No, actually, there's just always a cost. With everything. Think about that while you fall asleep tonight. <laughs> Nothing is free. Slightly related, but maybe not exactly. I remember back in the days of working at retail, they would teach you to put the thing into a customer's hand so that they're already holding it, so they already have that like sense of ownership over it. Oh, Because it made it harder for them to say no. Because then they have to give it back or put it back yeah. or whatever. And, and try doing it sometime. Try handing it back. It feels really awkward. And it's like trying to avoid that sense of awkwardness of handing it back. Yeah. That's interesting. I'm learning that humans basically just are trying really hard to avoid looking dumb or feeling <laughs> left out. Or, yeah. yeah. We're all the same on the inside. Afraid of being a loser. <laughs> so that does it for uh, our first edition of the Friday Five. Uh, Sarah, Kaylee, Lisa, thanks for joining me. And uh, hopefully we'll be back with another one of these uh Probably not by next Friday, (laughs) but in the future, on a Friday. And pick easier ones next time. (laughs)